Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Survival Shield Podcast with David and me, Craig, where it's our job to take you step-by-step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear you need to survive almost any crisis, emergency, or disaster, and show you how to use the lessons you learned today to thrive in your life tomorrow. David, what is up, my friend? Hey, man. What's going on? back. I, yeah. I feel like I'm always saying it's good to be back. Yeah, but it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We did get some light snow, and there's a lot going on. I'm just really trying to make some space to have a life <laughs> and stay in shape while I'm doing it, right? How about you, right. man? Same. Busy, busy. Working out four days a week still. All right, everybody. So our mission today is to help you progressively increase your survival IQ So you leave out of here better prepared at the end of the show than you were at the beginning. Today, we're going to continue our series on kits and carry gear, and we're going to focus in on sheltering in place. And I thought this would be appropriate, especially in light of the coronavirus, because there is a rising probability that some of us may have to self-quarantine, or we may even be in a situation where we might have to choose to isolate ourselves from the outside world for a time if an outbreak happens close by. In this discussion, we will include our thoughts on expanding our home emergency kits to accommodate a self-quarantine or self-isolation contingency. Also noticed, Craig, a lot of inaccurate and incomplete information going out on the internet and on TV and just about everywhere. I'm getting all these questions from people. They seem really confused. So if we have time, let's take a look at some questions that people have had and maybe we can help them out. That sounds absolutely fantastic. I think it's definitely a topic that we need to be discussing. It's so prevalent in the media. It's so prevalent in the survival communities, that's for sure. As far as the survival community is concerned, check it out. The new survivalshow.com. You did good, man. Thanks, dude. All for you. I wanted to make you happy. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Big things going on at survivalshow.com. So if you haven't checked that out, then go over there right now or pause the podcast or listen to the podcast and then go, but go check it out. Survivalshow.com has been updated. looks fantastic. Yours truly and David is on the front looking good. I need to get a better picture, man. That thing is awkward. Well, last year I came down there in the summer, right? I ended up, my my vehicle actually broke down in your town. (laughs) And so we hung out in your town for a day and we went hiking and stuff like that and we didn't get any pictures i just enjoyed i just enjoyed the day with you and jennifer but uh, we should have got some pictures then (laughs) i am absolutely terrible with photos we we'll get done with the class and go oh man we didn't take a single class photo (laughs) this week tracy and i just taught 32 people and tracy taught most of it in land navigation and we didn't take a single photo the whole time we were there of the group it's crazy but I'm going to tell you what, the picture on thesurvivalshow.com is one of my favorite pictures of you. When did you take that? I don't even remember when you took that photo. Is that when you came to Kentucky the first time? I think it was, yeah. Okay. I don't I Let's look at that going. I don't wear, I haven't wore that jacket in years. <laughs> but anyway, getting back to survivalshow.com, everybody, go and check out that photo because I am a fine-looking individual uh, man, so you'll enjoy that. There's <laughs> knife sharpening tips there. There's all kinds of hacks that David's really good at. How to turn your water bottle into a functional compass. Rock and roll, son. How to build a beginner's budget bug out bag for around 50 buckaroonies. There's two videos on there. And I was, uh, when you mentioned this, David, I went and looked at that video because I haven't watched that video in a while just to make sure I know what's on there. Man, I, we put a good video together on self That was a good video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one where you interviewed me that- and then the one where I'm hitting my son in the face and stuff like that. That's really cool. Uh, there's all kinds of gear checklists. I mean, just to suffice it to say, you all, you need to go check out the survivalshow.com. The survivalshow.com. Fantastic. Tiny gear stuff, podcast stuff, everything. It's all there. Go check it out. You ready to do this, my man? Yeah, man. Let's get into this. All right, everybody. So as we get into sheltering in place to make it through a disaster, outbreak, or society-altering event, I want to point out that the most of the kits, components that we're going to talk about, 
are provided as far as checklists in the Tiny Survival Guide. And so we'll be touching just a little bit on Section R in the Tiny Survival Guide, Worst Case Threats, for those that are following along. And Craig, I almost hate to keep mentioning the Tiny Survival Guide, but people need to know that we designed the guide I don't. To, to be a practical training uh, tool, everyday carry tool for this specific purpose. Yeah, say? I think it's one of the things that came out. I remember when we were talking about and you were doing some promotional information on it. It's a it's a tool to utilize in disaster, but without a doubt. I mean, think about it right now. This this worst case threat section, section R on the Tiny Survival Guide, has been out for quite some time now. And it's very applicable to what we're talking about with coronavirus. So it's one of those things that if people had picked up the Tiny Survival Guide and read it and all the other myriad of things that are in it, then you would be better prepared before you needed it. So this is, uh, and, and again, we're in this position right now, which is awesome. We can chat. I don't think the coronavirus right now in the United States of America in particular is as big a threat as the media is making it out to be. But with that said, we can now have the opportunity to talk about it. And that's one of the things that'll stop the virus from spreading like wildfire is doing everything that we can. And, you know, tiny survival guys, one of the ways to do it. Yeah, no joke. Now, as we take a look at bugging in, I'd like to take a look at this, like I mentioned before, from maybe some new eyes. Now, you know, a lot of people, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm a prepper, I'm prepared, or, you know, I'm ready for this. I've got my 30-day supply of food and my emergency kit and my AR or whatever. But as we dig into this, Craig, let's specifically kind of take a look at this from the the viewpoint that if we had to self-quarantine, it's going to be no less than 14 days and probably a lot more than that, depending on what part of the cycle you self-quarantine or if you choose to isolate yourself or the other potential. And I'm not just talking about this particular outbreak, but there's there's potential for this sort of thing in the future. But what if you've got to take care of somebody that's sick at home too? So anyway, let's let, as we dig into this, let's just be thinking about it from that perspective. How's that sound? That sounds good. I think the big thing that we need to get across to everybody, and this will come out the more we discuss this here today, but let's let's point out for sure that everybody knows the CDC had a news conference, and basically what the CDC is saying is that this is not much different than common viruses that we have run into at different times of the year, particularly in in winter months and that we need to take basic precautions that in my mind, we need to be doing every day. You fist bump instead of shaking hands. When you cough, you cough into your elbow, you don't, or cough into your armpit or cough inside your jacket. You don't cough into your hand and then put it on doorknobs and grocery carts and all the things that go along with it. But the big thing here that we need to point out, and this is why we want to get into safety and security, basically our own self-protection, is that as you can see on social media, this thing is gaining a lot of interest and traction, and there's a, a lot of alarmists that are making it out to be more than what I think that it is. I'm not a CDC expert. Uh, the CDC expert even said that it wasn't really that big of a deal from her perspective. Let's just take the necessary precautions, right? But let's assume for a moment that these people that surround us, as we are seeing on social media, make this out to be something that is bigger than it is, for example, then some of the things that happen are they start to be a threat. When I say a threat, threat to your personal safety, threat to the safety of your family. And so as far as looking at this, again, go back to the survivalshow.com website and those two self-defense videos uh, that we did for the website. One of those, we talk about situational awareness, and that is literally just being aware of your surroundings. Uh, something I didn't mention in that article that I now talk about when I discuss situational awareness is a 525 suite. No matter where you go, you're looking five yards in front of you and 25 yards in front of you at all times. The first five yards is anything in that bubble of five yards. That's an immediate threat possibility. So, you know, when you're walking 
out of a store in a mall. You you don't walk right next to the corner. You get at least five yards away from that corner. Any number of things like that. So you're looking at those immediate threats and those uh, secondary threats that might be out there at 25 yards. And planning is a big one. You know, mindset, skills, tactics, and gear, we talk about it. It's not that we just talk about it. We actually apply this to what we do. It's one of those things that we need to discuss with our families as far as threats. If As far as self-defense and situational awareness, if somebody's going to try to, I don't know, they saw that we got the last box of masks at, at Home Depot, and they want them, and they're going to take them then we need to be able to discuss that with our family and know how we're going to handle ourselves from an armed confrontation, a hand-to-hand confrontation, just situational awareness, using our voice. And the big thing is just the simple things and the tools that we carry with us all the time, things like locking your doors when you're supposed to, uh, don't leave things out in the open. I mean, think about Christmas shopping, apply that to now. You don't want to buy a bunch of masks at Home Depot and then lay them in the back seat of your car. That brings people of interest into wanting to break into your car. Firearms, if you're a firearms carrier, then obviously you don't need to be, hey, I'm just going to pick up a gun and start carrying it now for my safety. One of the things that you need to do is you need to train with it before you carry it. Uh, Always have a charged phone. Always have a battery backup. We've talked about that several times with Creek Stewart. Oh, my goodness, that's really good sound advice. And... You know, one of the things that David threw in the notes here that I like, too, is just an emergency whistle or just think about communications. You've got to come up with some way, some way that you can communicate with the people that you care about. And so if there's some sort of situation that arises, this is kind of not trying to do scare tactics. Let's say some large scale event happens or something of necessity causes a town to shut down for some reason, then we need to be able to communicate effectively with our family in ways outside of just our cell phone. We need to know uh, plans and corridors of action on how we're all going to get home and get back to the house and the things that go along with it. Am I making sense, dude? Yeah, man, that's really good. You know, part of this too was just thinking about if you're at home and if you if you have to stay at home and if things go crazy and we do, actually do have a couple of questions at the end, Greg, that the people had had asked and inquired about on Facebook and online that go along with this. But one thing we have here, we've got, you know, Kelvin, right? I've got a little, yeah. I've got yippee, a little, what I call a little yippee dog. <laughs> a little yippee. Uh, I love Calvin. He's a cool dude. Calvin's a cool dude. Yeah, he's a therapeutic yeah, dog, man. but he's he weighs six pounds, but he thinks thinks he weighs about sixty. <laughs> but uh, but he's our best alarm. I mean, he hears things we don't hear, and sometimes he hears way too much, too late at night. Uh, pepper spray is not a bad thing to have around for a less than lethal solution if you need to use it. And action steps. What do you think? Well, the big one would be have a discussion with your family. Number one, have a discussion with your family, how you're going to handle yourself in a situation where somebody might be aggressing you. And again, I don't want to be an alarmist. I don't want to, I'm not Mm -hmm. one of those guys. It actually drives me crazy, but good situational awareness, situational awareness and self-defense are just good everyday skills. Uh, when I train church members in active aggressor, I, I say all the time, just being a good situation aware security person is just doing good church. It's also just being a good friend, you know, and a good community member, looking people in the eye, paying attention to where people are. You know, if you get an opportunity and somebody's coming close to you, then you initiate the fist bump or what have you. You know, you don't let them, you don't be a victim. I like to tell people in self-defense, don't be a victim. It's all the same. Just be an aggressive friend. (laughs) <laughs> this is, is uh, sometimes how I put it. And that way you're asserting yourself and owning the situation and owning the ground, if you will. And obviously there's a time to be hidden, but at the same time, there's also a time to own that ground, even in friendly terms. That'd be step number one. Step number two is always, no matter where you're going, make sure you communicate to yourself and your, uh, and your friends, those you care about, friends and family, that to implement that 525 sweep. I think that's the easiest thing. And I I try to come up with easy ways to talk about difficult subject to understand. And that would be a big one. When you walk around anywhere, you should always be making a 525 sweep. Five yards, everything that's five yards and in is an immediate threat to you. And when you first start doing that sort of thing, you feel rather paranoid, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you get to it. 
I think. That would be two. What, what what would you add? Anything you want to add in there? You want to dig into first aid? No, I think you did a really good job. I actually, did you come up with a 525 sweep? I just wrote that down, man. Negative. Uh, I uh, actually picked that up. I do, uh, I've done a considerable amount of IED training with the military uh, because I do some man tracking things. And, and I don't know that it originated there. I just know that's the first place I heard it was people talking about IED training and, and it just being, you know, the guys that have, the EOD guys that have trained me have always talked about 525 in everything that they do, not just IEDs. It's just a constant situational awareness. And I, it, it just resonated with me. So I, I share it as often as I can. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So before we go any further, you want to just bring people up to speed on the rule of threes and why safety and security protection would be number one. And maybe why we'd put first aid next. Yeah. Rule of three is one of those things that also comes out of military training. And I've made it a foundational principle of basically everything I do. And the reason to do that is just real general, incredibly general way of looking at the things that you need to survive. You you can't live without blood flow and oxygen flow um, with for three minutes. You can't live without uh, core body temp for three hours. You can't live out water, without water for three days. You can't live without food for three weeks. You can't live without human assistance for three months. So... You know, there's times where those things will come somewhat out of order, but at least that gives you an idea. Hey, these are my priorities and your priorities are blood flow and oxygen flow first. And meaning you've got to do everything you can to make sure that your blood continues to flow and you continue to breathe. And one of the big problems with that is safety in the outdoors for a wilderness situation. And this particular discussion, more urban or suburban related is self-defense. You don't want somebody to bring harm to you. That's good stuff. Where do you want to go from here? You want to take a look at some equipment to have in your emergency kit yeah. at home? Yeah, we can dig into that. I think we've we've done a real good job in the tiny survival guide of talking about these gear lists. And we've talked about things like uh, hemostatic gauze and tourniquets and all those things that go along with that. I'd really like to dig into some topics that are first day related as they relate to particularly staying in coronavirus self-quarantined or what have you. Is that, does that sound like a plan to you? Yeah, that makes sense. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the big thing that needs to come out of this is this idea of gloves and masks because the issue with gloves, well, not the issue. The reason gloves are so important is because we use our hands to do nearly everything that we need to do from brushing our teeth to eating to driving to going to the grocery store we were utilizing our hands over and over and over and they're exposed to these bacterial and viral agents that might cause problems for us so anytime that we can utilize gloves is a good thing and mask i I really like for you to talk about mask if you don't care uh, because i think you have more yeah before we move on from gloves let's just talk about when people when you say gloves there's all kinds of different gloves um, oh yeah, good point. Sorry. Yeah, why, why don't you just be a little bit more specific? Because I think you and I are both on the same page as far as what kind of gloves, and they're actually really inexpensive if you if you get the right stuff. Yeah, just medical gloves. You all is what mm-hmm. I'm referring to, and David might have yep. a different opinion, but nope, but uh, I can pick these up at a discount store, and I really don't even know how much they are. It's one of those things that I don't know how much they are because they're so inexpensive. Uh, I have fairly big hands, uh, muscular hands, so I had to get the extra large ones. That's the only issue I have. And the only thing that I would bring up as far as medical gloves is do what you can to avoid the, uh, there was a trend for a while, and I think people finally caught on to it, of get away from the super cool, tactical, sexy, black medical gloves, Mm -hmm. because you cannot see blood on those very well, even in the daytime, let alone at night. And so avoid those, you know, get bright colored gloves so that anything that's on them, you can see it uh, as far as blood is concerned. that sort of thing is important. Is that, is that what you were getting at? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Just plain old medical gloves. And yeah. so you would recommend the ones that are like flesh colored or almost clear. And then like the light blue ones. I, yeah, I have blue ones and I have purple ones and I have uh, bright orange ones now that I keep in anything but too. black. Yeah, man. Not the black dude. Yeah. Yeah. I actually went through T triple. I've been through T triple C several times. 
tactical combat casualty care, uh, both as a student and as a quote unquote victim. And we, I was in a class with some really high speed dudes and they, they had some uh, kits that were given to them and they had to, okay, boom, make this happen. And they had black gloves in them, man. And we were doing this exercise at night. And for the, for those that know how to do uh, trauma first aid, one of the first things you do is you do a blood sweep. You basically run your hands down somebody's leg around their torso and you, you literally pull your hands out and you look at them, put them right in front of your face to see if there's any blood on them. And they were doing this and could not see blood on me. I was a, I was a victim and had, I was bleeding profusely out of my femoral artery and they could not see it in the dark. It was, it was bad, man. I, I mean, I ended up bleeding to death, if, if that makes sense, just because of the color of the gloves. So, yeah, that's a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, I'm looking at them here. $15 on Amazon. They're still available. Black ones? And that's for 200 gloves. So that's, that's 100 mm-hmm. sets. Okay. Cool. Yeah, cool. Yep. Cool. So masks. Masks seem to be the big item because here's the deal. I I have rarely seen anybody on the videos from China or on TV wearing a mask that actually would prevent you from getting, <laughs> getting a virus or, or, you know, getting an uh, airborne biological from anybody. They're using those, the surgical masks, and those are specifically designed to prevent you from, you, you, the wearer, from transmitting something to somebody else. That's what they're designed for. They, they don't seal tight enough around your, your nose and mouth and, and all that. And then the filtration in them is, is just not, it's not good. So a mask, the right mask is really important. And in fact, last night, I think shortly after the CDC announcement and, and uh, some of that stuff, a friend texted me and he's like, hey, what kind of mask do I get? So he got all freaked out, right? And so what you want to get is you want to get the N95 particulate respirators. Some of these, basically what N95 means it, the short of it is that it is rated to filter out 95% of particulate matter. So those are going to be pretty good for, for this particular purpose. The disposable dust masks that you're going to get at Lowe's and like 50 packs or whatever, they're not as good. I'm going to rate those as okay. They're really not rated. They don't, they don't have a, a particulate rating. Uh, stepping up from that, you have N99 masks, and the 99 means exactly what you might think it would mean, which is they are rated to filter out 99% of particulate matter. And you'll see these, a lot of these sort of masks with a, uh, a valve, and they'll have washable carbon filters that uh, kind of snap into the mask themselves. They actually look pretty cool. And then stepping, that's, that's it's all about really, looking cool, right? <laughs> they do look pretty cool. <laughs> uh, uh, guys that are cyclists and stuff like that, they'll wear them just to keep the dust out of their face. And then you can step up from that with like a chemical respirator, but that's not really necessary for our application here. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that you're getting a N95 particulate respirator, and it will be rated N95 or N99. Uh, there are some N100s, but they're kind of hard to pick up. But I will tell you this, that if you're, if you're thinking that you're going to get them on Amazon, they are sold out. So I would just check your local, your local stores. And in a pinch, I'm just going to say that the, a 50-pack of dust masks from Lowe's is going to be better than nothing if you need it. So there you go. Right. That's masks. Yeah. Anything's better than nothing. I think disinfectant was the next thing on our list, disinfectant. And there's a, a little stupid meme running around Facebook where somebody's got a bottle of Lysol or a can of Lysol, and they're showing that it prevents against coronavirus. And they're talking about, well, if coronavirus is so new why is it on the back of a Lysol can and all this stuff and I think it's a really important thing to 
Now, that's basically disinformation, okay? And the reason it is is because there's different strains of the coronavirus. And the one that we're looking at is coronavirus, what is it, CLVID-19, right? Mm -hmm. That's the number they're applying to it. Yep. And so this particular strain of that virus is different than what we've seen before. And so with that, you know, disinfectants are good. And you should be utilizing them whenever you can, um, but be aware that this is a new virus, so we don't know everything that we need to know, but please go about utilizing them for sure. Yeah. And just because of packaging and just because it's so new, anything that's out in the stores now or online is just simply not going to have that listed on there. So disinfectants, uh we're going to talk about this later with one of our questions, but you want to just make sure that uh, you're going to get the disinfectants that kill 99.9% of bacteria. There's several versions of these. And again, I think these are all sold out on Amazon. So I've got some Clorox ones or Lysol ones that are the little like eight or 10 packs that slip into your pocket. I'm taking those every time. I go out now. Anytime I've got to go anywhere, I'm, I'm, I'm wiping and using the sleeve of my shirt to open doors and stuff like that just to be due diligent and actually to practice, Craig. Like, we don't have any cases anywhere close to where I'm at, but I've found that my my personal discipline as far as what I touch and and all of that is is lacking, so I'm just practicing now. Hand, hand sanitizers? Yeah, I think we should m- point out, too, the difference between viruses and bacteria, too, because okay. it, it's yep. it's confusing when we start talking about these things, the difference between the two. I mean, one of the, the big things is that viruses are smaller than bacteria, so that's why these masks that David was describing are very important to understand. You've got to get something that's going to handle that particular the way that he was describing it. Also, why the medical masks that basically have no seal around the face whatsoever are useless. Another thing, and I just thought about this because we were talking about it on Facebook on uh, in our group recently, was that the CDC is also recommended for people that are going to put masks on that they shave their beards, which ain't happening to this Kentucky boy. Um, but, but, uh, until it gets worse, if it, if it were to get bad and we need to walk around masks, I'll shave my beard. It, I won't hesitate. But with that said, that's another point of interest as it relates to bacteria and viruses and viruses also need a, uh, a living host, whereas bacteria do not. And viruses also cause disease, whereas bacteria don't necessarily cause disease. So these are all things that are important to understand when you're getting disinfectants and stuff of that nature. That makes sense. What I'm saying, David. It it does make sense, and I don't think we know exactly how viable and how long th- this particular virus is viable. But that's why you want to, if you're going to go to Walmart or there we are back on Walmart. <laughs> if you're going to go to Walmart or something, you want to make sure that you take your disinfectant wipe specifically because I don't know if the free wipes they have at Walmart when they're available are disinfectant or if they're just you know, kind of like baby wipes in a container. You want to make sure that you're wiping those handles off because most viruses are viable for at least a day after they are uh, on some sort of an object that you could touch. All right. What else? First aid. Um, Yeah. Something that I was thinking about, Craig, was just extra blankets for first aid because if you're at home if you're in a situation where you're not going to go out or you you can't go out for a while um you need to consider that people are going to be sick and this actually happened uh i just happened at a local group where somebody really really wanted to come they came and and they they just puked all over the place and you know, clothes were a mess, you know, that anyway, stuff happens, right? So you want to make sure that you have a barf, barf bowl, you know, barf bags, extra blankets, things like that. Because if, if we're in a situation where things actually got bad, laundering could be a problem and just, you know, contact with hygiene is going to be really important, which we'll talk about a little bit. 
Yeah, without a doubt. I, I think as far as first aid, I mean, we could go on for days on this. I mean, pick up the Tiny Survival Guide. It's got a great list of a lot of different things on it. And uh, there's actually, as we mentioned in Section R, there's an actual kit list there that details, I don't know, 15 different things on it. So that's a that's a really good start for everybody. Most people listening here probably already have it. And that why that's why we're telling you, just go ahead and look at your tiny survival guide because it's got so much information. Well, we may, I just want to point this out as directly as I can. We've been doing podcasts on the information in the tiny survival guide for a year now. <laughs> we have. That's how much information is in this thing, you all. I mean, it's that jam-packed full of info. So take an opportunity to pick it up, look at it. And uh, yeah, they're, they're all over. That's one thing that's yep. not running out of inventory on Amazon, is it? <laughs> it hasn't yet. Hurt, no. It wouldn't hurt my feelings if it did. Just keep going, son. Buy them all, baby. <laughs> all right. There's a couple other other categories. Maybe we just want to buzz through these. I think hygiene is going to be really important. Hygiene is always important. But you just want to be able to make sure that you can take care of things, especially if, if you're sick or somebody else is sick. So um, a lot of the things we already talked about, hand sanitizer, Bleach, wipes, toothpaste, soap, wash your hands, wash your hands. I noticed, Craig, I was counting how long that I normally wash my hands. It's about five seconds. So uh, I am practicing doing it longer and figure, trying to figure out why. And the why is because I usually don't get behind my hands and all that sort of stuff. So anything else on hygiene? No, I think we've covered everything as far as hygiene is related. Just keep in mind, as far as a sheltering in place idea, I mean, if it's one of those things where a town is quarantined, like some of the towns that are happening in China, let's say it gets really bad and that sort of thing happens here. And again, I want to emphasize because I don't like being considered an alarmist right now. doesn't look like this is going to happen on a large scale here, but it just could that's why we're getting the information out there now. And these simple things are not that big a deal for you to take care of right now. But let's say we do have to stay in our house for two weeks. Some of the things that just really rock people's world is the toilet. You know, right now the toilet works most of the time. And if it's not working, then everything that you typically put in the toilet is just going to back up. And that is a major problem for a house for you to have that much uh, waste in a, in a section of your house, just sitting there. So take an opportunity to think about gathering some lime. Uh, at the very least you can get some dirt and put the waste outside and bury it, cover it, things of that nature. Uh, you can obviously have the need to dig a latrine, have a bucket so that if you have stored water, you can put it in the back of the toilet and still make it go. You can buy these portable camp toilets. I mean, these are, these is the big one. The big one in my mind that people forget is that let's say that everybody gets quarantined. That's going to include the guys that make sure the water comes to your house. That's the sewage company. They're going to have to stay at their house too. So these are things that you're not going to have, if that makes sense. Just to add on to that, since you started it, get yep. a lot of toilet paper. I'll do. Buy it in bulk. Yep. Good. Yeah. Shelter. Shelter, let's just put it into the heating and cooling category. So, and we've covered some of this stuff before. Non-electric heat source is a good idea, especially this time of the year. Wood stove or kerosene heater. Alternate power. Um, extra blankets, again. Anything else on shelter? Just think about it. I mean, if you have time, you all, and you're in a place where it's not going to cause you too much harm, then what I always recommend people to study to see what they need is to turn the electric off and the water off yes. to your house for a week. And you're going to come up with some problems, start writing those problems down and immediately finding solutions for them. And if you don't have the gear to have a solution, then go buy it and keep in mind that you're doing it for a training exercise. So when you get three days in and it's a problem and everybody's crazy, then turn it back on. At least get an idea what what you need, because when it happens, you want to be you want to be prepared for certain. Dude, you're hardcore. I'm just gonna What's say, that? most of the people that are listening right now, they're saying, "Dude, I couldn't. I'm I'm not turning my electric off, my water hey man, off this for is what, a day." This is what happened to me. 
This is no, no joke. Uh, what happened to me when we were, when my kids were little, we lost power for over a month and lived out in the country and we had a huge ice storm here and it just knocked down electric lines all over the state. It was a, it was a disaster here. Literally, I'm not saying that figuratively. It was literally a disaster here and we didn't have electricity for a month. We didn't have hot water for a month unless we built a fire, or put it over a propane stove. And so I was forced to do basically that because we didn't really have, I mean, we had water, but we didn't have, you know, we had, we had different things that we had to do to make sure that we could actually continue to use the toilet. And so I, you know, I highly recommend you doing it by your own design rather than being forced to do it. Like I had to, Mm -hmm. as you know, I'm forced to do it a lot where I live. Like probably in an average year we have, we have, we lose power for a week and a half if I add it all up. So three or four days without power here, which means for me, no power, no water. I get a lot of practice. Dude, I finally bought one of those uh, boxes that I can plug my generator in outside and run it through the electrical system of the house. Finally, I had a pretty dangerous nice. hot wire kind of deal going to the uh, <laughs> that's the an pump. understatement man you sent You've me a seen picture that, haven't of that. you <laughs> you sent me a picture of that conglomeration <laughs> and it scared me looking at it in a photo let alone get like, around the thing i mean it's a great generator but i had like 15 extension cords running up all through the house so finally finally we're going to install that so let's talk about power next because the whole concept of power is you need to keep essential water, heat, refrigeration, lighting, communication, and security going, or you need to have a non-electric plan for each of those. So here, we I have a, a sizable gasoline generator that can run. If I was running everything in my house, I would say it would run about 80%. No problem. So if, if we're careful, that that generator I have can can easily do the essentials of our entire house. So that's a gasoline generator. There's liquid propane ones that, and uh, natural gas ones that, uh, the bigger ones that some people get, and they just automatically turn on in an emergency. I don't have one of those yet. And there's portable generators. The next level of power, which is actually a pretty good solution for the short term, especially if you have uh, water and you you just you need to take showers, you need to get some hot water going, you need to power a refrigerator for a couple hours. Those vehicle power inverters, if you get one powerful enough, uh, they can they can work pretty good and charge up backup batteries and stuff like that. Solar panel panels uh, with a solar, they call them, some people call them generators, basically like big battery bricks. Uh, one of those, I've got one of those uh, charged battery bricks. I've got a bunch of solar power stuff here. And then AA or AAA batteries in bulk. So you just, you got to have a, a power backup plan because we do not, Craig is totally 100% right. We just normally don't understand how dependent we are on power until it's gone. And having it go out, most places, most urban places, they might have it go out for an hour or two or three. Um, but if it goes out for a day or two days or three days or a week, it's it's a completely different story. You want to dig into food? Yeah, let's do it. Food, big time. You need to be preparing for food. And I that really typically is one of the things that people do do fairly well. I noticed some posts on social media this morning where places like Mountain House Mills are limiting the amount of food that people can buy right now because so many people are buying uh, backup food sources. But you need to go ahead and do that. And a big way to do this rather inexpensively if you're behind the eight ball and you don't have the ability to get any Mountain House Mills or MREs or what have you, is just buy some beans and rice. Beans and rice are enough to sustain you for quite a long time, and you can get buckets of them, big piles of them, and uh, get some sort of seasoning. 
it's not going to be the greatest thing that tastes great over a long period of time, but it'll at least keep you alive sort of thing. And that's, that's rather easily real quick and dirty way to do that to store them is to get buckets that you can seal after you buy them. And, uh, there's a lot of these out there. Container companies will sell these. Uh, one of the ways that I've done it is just fill buckets up with rice and beans and then put a candle in there lit a little small, what are they called? Tea candles. Is that what they're called? David, do you know? Mm -hmm. A little bitty, put a little tea candle in there and then seal it up and the candle will burn and, and utilize the oxygen in the bucket. And then, uh, there won't be any oxygen left in there because the candle, uh, utilizes it for fuel, basically, uh, not as fuel, but to keep burning. And so that's one quick way to save a bunch of food really quick two five gallon buckets one with rice one with beans feeds a family of four for quite a while actually to keep them alive not hey we're gonna eat more beans and rice Let's say, oh, i can't wait I mean, i'm excited no but it is going to keep you alive for sure hey and i just now just now thought of another one too mre nation baby what was that guy's name bob we had on bob yeah bob gaskin I got a I got a suspicious feeling they're probably running low because people were wearing him out. But he offered that UST fifteen as a discount code to all of our listeners. So UST fifteen on MRE Nation, check that out. Oh that's yeah, another, go check it out. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. He said that was the biggest discount he ever gave. So that's good. Speaking of which, I got a bunch of MREs in the basement. I need to check the dates on those and get those refreshed. All right, rice and beans, peanut butter, crackers, nacho chips, oatmeal packs, all those sorts of things are are easy. A little bit of sugar, honey, coffee, tea, got to get your coffee, and uh, dark chocolate. Right, Craig? For you, I reckon. (laughs) You and your dark chocolate. Did we cover water? We didn't talk about it because I think it's fairly obvious, but man, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Okay. Store a lot of water. First aid, heat, light, uh, communication. I think the big thing is to have your cell phones charged and have a battery backup within where you are at all times, whether that's your vehicle, your house, uh, whether you're going to work or what have you, have that backup for it. It's one of those things that's going to be... Even in in large-scale disasters, it's going to be an incredibly useful tool. It's one of the first things that uh, first responders are going to be doing to get back online is to get cell phone coverage back up because they use them to get things done, too. Um, I'm a huge fan, huge fan of ham radios. So if you have your ham radio license, then you know how valuable that is. If you don't, it's very easy to get. You can study for a short while, take a test and get your ham radio license. And what that does is it allows you to have access to some channels and that other people don't really have as easy access to and repeaters, which are basically cell tower. I mean, not cell towers, but are towers out there that you can, like I've talked to people that are, you know, hundred miles away. Some of the people that are I'm friends with here in my hometown, talk to people on, on the other side of the planet with a radio because they're bouncing it off repeaters and actually bouncing it off the atmosphere. So it's one of those things that those things, uh, with a little bit of study, ham radio, or at least a two-way multi-band radio as well, to get information is very fantastic and very useful tool. Yep. And as a backup to your cell phone, those multi-band emergency radios, good quality one, that... Some of them, they have solar power, but it doesn't work that well, and the hand cranks are kind of cheesy. So you just want to make sure that you get one that's rated really good. And, my friend, oh, entertainment. You've actually mentioned this before <laughs> for survival situations, so I threw this one in for you. I don't know what I've said in the past, but I think it's invaluable, particularly if you've got people in your family that don't know how to entertain themselves with their own mind like I do. <laughs> <laughs> just sit around laughing at myself <laughs> like I just did. But uh, one of the things that, uh, it, you know, children, stuff of that nature, you might have a big pack of crayons and something to color, you know, it's a blank piece of paper. Uh, but games are very important. Card games, board games, stuff of that nature. Those are not out of vogue in this type of situation. 
so many people have talked about being stuck someplace for a week or so and how they got back to the way they did things when they were kids and played Monopoly or something and how much fun it was. And so having that stuff around is real valuable too. And that's, that's another reason why I like the idea of sheltering in place. It's really good. One thing I wanted to cover really quickly was just lighting headlamps. I've got a couple of these uh, LED solar lanterns, Craig. I'm telling you what, I use those things all the time now. And they're just always charged. They don't even have who, to be in direct light. Um, I would have to take my headset up over and off mm, okay. to go and grab the one I'm looking at now. But we'll do it. But I'll talk. All right, you talk. So while he's getting that, everybody, um, two-way radios, think about this. It's it's important to understand go back to the radio because, I, as I said, I'm a ham radio fan. Uh, one of the things that you can use a ham radio for is they'll always have access to weather channels uh, like NOAA weather and stuff of that nature. And so you have that with your ham radio. Some regular two-way radios do that as well. If it's something that you're going to go out and buy radios, and I would recommend at least getting one that has access to NOAA and emergency information. That way, when you're, when you've got that crank radio, whatever it might be, because uh, I have one of those radios like David was just describing, I've got one that cranks, has solar on it, has a phone charger on it. And I've, I need to make a video of this, but I have charged my phone utilizing one of those before. And, sh- and it's, it's pretty involved, but it'll work, uh, get it up to where, it can be useful. So did you get it? I got it. The one I have here that I like a lot, it's called Hybrid Light. Hybrid and light. it's the, it was actually sitting on a railing, not in direct sunlight. And it's a cloudy, snowy day right now. And it was charging because the little red light was on. But it's got a great solar charger, a little thing you can hang it from. It acts as a flashlight. And then you can kind of do a half turn and then pull it open. And uh, it expands to be uh, a pretty bright light that's extremely usable for anything. So I use it all the time. That's cool. Is this, uh, yeah. I just pulled up their website. Is this the Atlas 600 camping lantern charger? Uh, I don't know. Or something different? I don't, I don't know what is it that, is. I don't even know where I got it. It looks like everything in here is 30 I probably got it from my Apaco box. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing it's, it was, it's a pretty high quality piece of gear it's not one of the it's definitely not one of those blow up ones that cost about twelve dollars and have like two star ratings on amazon this is this is very nice good one yeah that and, looks uh good. tactical lights rechargeable ones so if you have some battery bricks and you like to have a, a brighter light for security reasons not a bad idea candles hey they still work so make sure you have some matches some lighter uh, oil or kerosene lantern and extra fuel and batteries. Craig, what else before we get to some questions here? Oh man, I think that's it, dude. Let's get to these questions. Okay, first question. This is for Craig. If a serious <laughs> epidemic ever breaks out in the USA, do you think the government will be able to help us? Yes, without a doubt. I am one of those survival guys that has worked with the government at length on a number of projects, and I am not one of those that thinks the government is out to kill us all. I think they're actually doing a lot of really good. I think they make mistakes like every other organization, every other person in the world. But I think for the most part, for the most part, not in every, absolutely every 100% of everything they do, they're going to be doing what they can, and the CDC just did exactly that. Although I might disagree with it a little bit, they're already trying to calm people down. And when I say the government, the CDC is part of the government, they're telling people, wash your hands, use disinfectant, all these simple things, you know, cough into your elbow, don't cough into your hand, and then touch somebody and love on them and all that kind of nonsense. Do these little simple things that we can do now to prevent this from getting big. And, you know, that they are, they are helping us already to keep it from breaking out. And when and if it does break out, they have a plan and they will help a lot of people. 
part of Reason the Survival Show podcast is survivalshow.com, the Tiny Survival Guide and all this exists is because we're doing our part to be preventative measures from big and bad things happen. We're having podcasts right now to tell you what kind of things you need to be doing, what kind of things you need to be getting before it happens so that you can be prepared. And then if there was a huge outbreak for some reason, I do think that the government has the resources to be able to help us. I'm not an anti-government conspiracist, if that makes sense. What do you think, sir? No, that's a great answer. I agree with you 100%. Next question. And I pulled this This off of Facebook. Yeah, this 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 person person actually had a lot of commentary because they thought they were right. And, uh, And I tried to gently let them know that maybe they didn't have the whole story. Question is... A mask is only needed if you are ill, right? <laughs> and they 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 proceeded. They just proceeded to, you know, let everybody know why they were right. But here's the deal. In combination with the other best practices that Craig's mentioned, and I think we have a question coming up that we're going to actually go through a, a nice little list for you on those. A proper protective mask should lower your probability of contracting this virus or any virus when in a high-risk environment. So as I mentioned earlier, proper mask would be a, a well-fitting N95 or N99 mask. As Craig said, any mask is better than nothing. If you had to opt for something a little bit less, then you could the dust masks that you get at Lowe's in bulk would be much better than a typical medical mask. So this person was not correct in their question in quotes. Hmm. Anything else to say about that? I think we covered that pretty good, actually. I think you're good on it. All right. Craig, let's see if you're comfortable taking this one. Tens of thousands of of people die from the common flu every year, so why should I be be concerned about COVID-19, the coronavirus? Is this a government conspiracy of some sort? (laughs) I'm not sure where they were going with the government conspiracy thing, but it's out there, man. It's out there. Okay, so we're looking at we're looking at the let's look at some data and statistics. I was calculating something up real quick here. Okay, here's some data that David put together, and I was I'll play with these numbers here in a second. Common flu. It's around every year. We have issues with it every year. Two hundred thousand cases in the United States every year. Every year in the United States, 35,000 deaths. Okay. As, as a, a lot, a way of just, yeah, it's a lot. It's actually, this is what I was just calculating. It's 72%. Let's say if you add up the common flu and you add up the, uh, the coronavirus cases and deaths, you're looking at the common flu takes over 72% of all of that. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if you combine those two, the common flu plus COVID-19, the common flu is 72% of the cases and 72% of the deaths. So, yeah, by a long, long margin, we need to be more concerned with what we already have going on around us. Okay. Now, as far as it relates to the other things that have come about that have caused alarm, the SARS epidemic that happened to 2002, 2004, there were 9,000 cases and 774 deaths. So that was rather small. Swine flu, there were 60 million cases. And In the U.S. alone. Yes. Yeah. 12,000 deaths. This is all USA. And then COVID again. 80,000 cases, and I looked at this number right before we got on, and David's numbers are great here, over 2,800 deaths worldwide. I mean, so statistically, you've got more likelihood of dying from the common flu, which we have around us every year, particularly during the wintertime, than you do COVID-19. But the reason it's so alarming is because it's spreading rather quickly. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not a huge, uh, yeah, I don't want, I won't say that, but I think Trump said something along the lines of, uh, 
well, come April when it warms up, everything will be fine. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily is that true. And so it's one of those things that we need to be aware that it could be a problem if they if they don't have a good solution for it. And that's the concern is that we already know that the common flu, for example, the big problem is for people that have diminished or already problematic immune systems. Same thing is true here. So your typical person is not going to die from getting COVID-19. But because we have such little information and we don't know enough about it, that's why it's causing some alarm, but it's not as bad as the common flu. I'm going to throw something in right there, Craig, that you just reminded me of. Last night as I was shoring up the kit list for uh, people to go to over at kit.co, I think it's forward slash ultimate survival tips. There's a kit over there where uh, basically a gear checklist that goes through all these filters, what, what ones are best, which ones stink some eye protection. But one thing I added yesterday that I was thinking of was one of the ways to boost your immunity is just to get some quality vitamin C powder. Anybody can do it. It's super easy. Of course, exercise, limiting your sugar intake, all those sorts of things, living a healthy lifestyle, eating a salad now and again, those all help. But vitamin C is anytime I have any sense of a runny nose or anything, I'm going to double my vitamin C intake. That's something people can do. And just to tag on to what you were just saying, Craig, there's something that's happening right now where people, we were talking about this before we got on the podcast, where there's a bit of a panic right now. And you had some thoughts about maybe what spurred that on I had a friend that contacted me late last night and was looking for masks and they were all sold out and he was kind of freaking out. So there are some potential unintended consequences just based on how people respond to to news and how potentially it's hyped online or you know through talk shows or or whatever. And we've already seen that there's some stock market uncertainty. We can't directly pin that to this, but, you know, the markets always like certainty and there's some, you know, unintended, unknown things that you really don't think about when stuff like this happens. But we're so dependent still on China that the supply line looks like it potentially could be affected. So that that's affecting some things there. You know, there can be a cascading effect to some of these things where this virus potentially does nothing in the United States. Uh that's very sizable, but you have some other things like people panicking, like you were saying earlier, you know, clearing store shelves or rioting, you know, if something happens. And then I saw a news story where people were throwing rocks at a vehicle that was driving people that were quarantined through their town. Uh, this was not in the United States, but it was, it was somewhere else in the world. But, you know, there's just, there's just stuff to be aware of. And some of that stuff is is literally in people's minds and their perceptions. So, I mean, here, here's a the, good, and this is leads into, or I mean, doesn't lead into, but it uh, backs up what you're saying. Since we've been on this podcast for the last almost hour now, I'm looking at my information, my alerts that come in on my phone. The University of Kentucky, which is right next door to where I live, uh, the town, had a press meeting today about the coronavirus. The governor of Kentucky just had a press release and had a, got in front of reporters and had a new segment discussing the coronavirus. And I'm looking at the map, and the closest person that has contracted the coronavirus to Kentucky is in Chicago. I mean, so the state government of Kentucky, and this is true all over the country, this is the, the situation, is that even state governments are, oh, what are we doing about this when really it's not an issue? I just looked up and because I'm a statistics nerd. Okay, I had to. Right now I'm looking at the map, the updated coronavirus map put out by John Hopkins, 2,810 deaths. Okay, last year 6,000 people were killed by lightning. That's double. 
So people aren't freaking out. Oh no, it's almost summertime. There's going to be more lightning kind of thing. And I think it's worthwhile of our time to, yeah, let's use it as an opportunity to discuss preparedness and emergency readiness, get the supplies that we need. If something crazy happens with this, we're ready. We got time to do it. Do it. Don't ignore it. But at the same time, don't walk around paranoid and scared to death that everybody in your family is going to die from coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I agree. And I think this is a really good time that if you aren't prepared for things like this and you haven't kind of tested the waters on, you know, what would happen if, if you had to quarantine or, or be in your house for an extended period, it's just a good time to think about it and actually take some action. Craig, our last question is, and we discussed this a little bit, but maybe got a little bit more of an extensive list here on some things people might not have thought through on what are some best practices to reduce risk of infection. You want to just take a turn on these? Run down through the list? Yeah. Yeah, I'll just run through about four of them because we've already talked about them. Close contact with people is a problem. Fist bump, don't shake hands. Keep distance from people. Don't go out unless you have to. Uh, David put in his notes here. I love this. Avoid people in general. Seriously, if you don't have to, then don't go out, uh, particularly in crowded places. And if you're sick, then just stay home. Oh, my goodness. This is the thing that drives me insane. Drives me insane. It's people going oh, to know. work when they're sick. I mm-hmm. mean, fortunately, I'm self-employed. So, you know, when I'm home, I am at work. And so I don't have to deal with that as much as most people. But I've got a class this Saturday, and I guarantee you somebody's going to show up that's been sick because they don't want to miss class. It's not a problem. I give you your money back. <laughs> you can come to another class. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, stay right. away. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. What's next? You got some more on there. Uh, yeah, if you have to go in public places, like you got to go shopping, you can you can get online and look up the store you want to go to. And nine times out of 10, Google is going to tell you the slowest times that they're open and go in those slow times. Uh, if you have to be in tight spaces, like you have to take public transportation, airplanes, doctor's offices, uh, work environment, and you are concerned, especially, I would say, especially like airplanes and maybe some tight spaces, it's wear a mask. You can wear a mask if you're if you're concerned about that. Craig mentioned covering your mouth and nose when you cough and sneeze and cough and sneeze. Do you say sneeze into your elbow? I mean, that's what we do. Don't don't do it in your hands because they're going to yeah, go on other yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just put yep. it in there. What the the what I call the crook of your elbow. Carry pocket size disinfectant wipes. And wipe often touched objects and surfaces, shopping cart handles, doorknobs, restaurant seats, tables. We went to a cafe last weekend and I was like, I think I'm going to use up one of my wipes on this table before we sit down. Sure. Elevator buttons. We've got a lot of touch screens now. You know, you got to touch the screen to sign your name at the convenience store or whatever. So just be aware of all that sort of stuff. Another big thing that I was thinking about as far as your hand discipline goes, if you're if you're in a public place and you're touching things, just be aware of situational awareness in your hands. One thing that I realized was I was touching things and then I put my hands in my pocket and touch my phone. I'm just going to tell you that some of you all, your phones are disgusting clean them off. They're a Petri dish of germs. So, you know, clean off your phone now and again, right? Right. Check on that, right? What else we got here, Craig? Uh, the, I guess the big thing here is just do it now. Start getting these yep. supplies now. Start putting into practice these things now. Um, you know, practice discipline so that you're not picking your nose, taking your, rubbing your eyes with your hands, <laughs> which are dirty, and all the things right. that are just... Yeah. Simple. Oh my goodness, they're so simple, but they're so valuably important to this sort of issue. Do you know what the crazy thing is? Statistics show that people touch their face with their hands hundreds of times a day. Isn't that wild? It is wild. It's subconscious. Most of it's subconscious. Uh, Wash your hands. Wash your hands. uh, What, 20 seconds? Disinfectant wipes. What else? Phone. Got that. 
think we dock up now. Yeah, yeah, do it now. I think we're good, man. Anything else, or you want to close on out of here? Yeah, I'll take us out, my friend. All right, guys and gals, listen up. Are you listening? I'm going to give you some support options, which we cannot live and breathe the Survival Show podcast without you. So subscribe to the podcast now. It's absolutely 100% free. That way you don't miss out on anything that we're talking about. And many of you listening right now have already done that. We thank you for that. Obviously, if you enjoyed the podcast, then please share it with your friends on all the social media platforms. All of them. Go to all of them. Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook. Make a YouTube video if you want to. Tell everybody how cool this podcast is, please. And particularly go to wherever it is you're listening to give us a five-star rating and a sweet comment because, you know, sweet comments are sweet and we like them. Don't forget, as I mentioned earlier, you can go over to the new revamped and really cool-looking thesurvivalshow.com. Check out that photo of me. Let's get a poll going. Do we need a new photo from Craig or not? My vote is yes, we do. We'll take a look at it, although I do look pretty cool with my little winky face on there. Check it out. Knife sharpening tips are there. Survival hacks are there. Self-defense videos are there. Gear checklist and access to, guess what, every single Survival Show podcast we've ever done at thesurvivalshow.com. I think that's it. Thank you all for listening. Stay safe out there. Obviously, we want you to be healthy so you keep coming back and listening to more, having more fun, and enjoying life. We'll see you next time on the Survival Show podcast. Keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.